Hi gang, Jim Sterling here. As many of you know, I've arrived in Philadelphia and I will be at the Wrestle Factory in Philadelphia on February the 29th, that's Saturday night, as I am an invited guest of Chikara Wrestling at their latest event, Stem the Hemorrhaging of Poker. What a great name. There will be some of the most on-brand for the Jimquisition wrestling there. Chikara is like... If any wrestling would appeal to Jim Position fans, it's going to be Chikara. I'll be there. I'll be up for meet and greeting, photos, all that stuff. Maybe even a cheeky pint or something. But swing by. I would love to see you there. And who knows, maybe if all goes well, it won't be the last time that I'm at Chikara. I always sync up with Laura on a call. And Conrad's seen that I can't do it <laughs> with... I, apparently I can't do it with people watching. <laughs> apparently that's the problem. Is it just performance anxiety? You can't clap in front of a cloud? I can't clap to synchronise our voice files like an ordinary human being. Um, unless I am very alone. Um, <laughs> so there we go. Hello everyone, welcome to Podquisition. I've made a startling discovery. What, what's your startling discovery? All these Tic Tac bucks. Yeah. 200. One of the big ones. Fruit Adventure, if you must know. Um, like a chump. Because I look at me. I'm not going to have just one Tic Tac, am I? A whole box is like me on a diet from chocolate. So I got 200 mints Fruit Adventure. I'm like, I'm going to scuff the fucking bunch of these. Open up the little lid. Look, you can hear it on the microphone. Look. That's it. That's me opening that little lid, right? About two can come out at once. I am like a bird at feeding time. Little gullet open. Mother <laughs> dropping tic-tac-shaped worms into my mouth, regurgitating them all up. Like an idiot. I'm doing that like a baby bird idiot. Only right now, with this empty box while playing with it on the desk, have I discovered that... The you can whole... take the big lid off? There's a whole new world here. There's a big lid. Yeah, I think I have the same... Is this the box that's shaped like a big tic-tac? It looks like a big yellow tic-tac, what I'm looking yeah, at. Yeah, yes. you can take the top off of that. Yeah, you can take its top off, which I've always wanted to do with a tic-tac. But I did not know that. I, I've gone through this entire little fucking capsule with the little mouth instead of the big mouth. Like some sort of fucking clod. The TikTok corpor the, the TikTok corporation think they can force you into restraint and and you know conservatism. Fucking shit. With your TikToks. They're fucking shit. It's like I've always said. Bring the boss in. It, is that what you always say? I've always said in my <laughs> life. I've always said bring the boss in. It's 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 a it's basically a a, a life lesson. And a creed that I have, it's, a, it's the creed that I live by, is bringing the boss. If I see a room and there's not a boss in it, I'll say, where's Lord Alan Sugar? Get him the fuck in here. I mean, he, he is technically a boss, I suppose. Yep. No, it's these hats. Mr. Mr. Bloomberg, who wants to be the president when he grows up, has these hats. Um, I hate to say it, but they're not as catchy as MAGA. They say, not a socialist on the front, and then on the back, in very tiny words, does it say, bring in the boss. Now, my problem with that 
is you can only read the back half of it if you're on all fours licking boots. <laughs> Can't read the front. I uh, I think I, I really like the reply that wound up in, and has way more engagement than any other than the original tweet where the uh, the hat has been changed to read Michael Bloomberg appears in Jeffrey Epstein's little black book. Yeah. And on the back it says, and he kill, had him killed. Wow. <laughs> well, there you go. There you that's, go. There that you sure go. is, that is a statement. I want that hat. <laughs> I mean, that's a good hat. It's, it probably won't get Bloomberg elected. <laughs> probably not. But you know what? That might make it a better hat. I'm just, I'm really upset because if I had known that Mike Bloomberg was going to pay people $2,500 a month to make him look like an asshole, <laughs> I'd have signed up. I'd have done it for half. Politics! <laughs> Pol- what what, what politics. are these politics doing in um, our games? Right. I All I thought to myself was, it'll be funny if I say bring in the boss, right? Right. Conrad, <laughs> yeah. unhelpfully, either wasn't laughing or was muted. Laura, I don't think quite got the reference until I gave it the full context. So then I was like, I've got to salvage this. <laughs> I've got to salvage this and then just start talking about it so it doesn't fall completely flat. I mean, And now, now we're at the point where we're talking about Epstein on this video game podcast where you find out if your favourite games are great or were killed. <laughs> what do you think Epstein's favourite game was? Oh, there is nothing I can say right now that I will not <laughs> ask Justin to bleep later. Yeah, the, the, the answers that went through my head are all things I probably shouldn't say, but I think are probably true answers. Speaking of probablys, we should probably get off this. And, yeah, video and games. Move gracefully forward. Hey, I tried, alright? I tried to segue. You, you tried, you tried. Hey, hey, I played some video games this week. Do you want oh, to hear about one of them? Thank God. Someone asked <laughs> if, if, we, if I care less about what I do now. Um, partially because this podcast has become complete bollocks. Um, but if anything, that makes me care more. Um, that said, I would love to hear about the great or perfect video game of what you've been playing. Uh, so one video game what I've been playing this week, I got back to that thing that I used to do and I haven't done in a while of playing some weird dating sims. Ooh. I've been playing a game called Speed Dating for Ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds great. I know, right? I, I, I'm not going to lie. I picked it up 90% because I saw that name on Switch and was like, that sounds fucking great. I don't need to know what it is. Let's give it a try. It's a little dating sim where you play as a ghost in the afterlife and you've gone to ghost speed dating. Uh, you pick between one of three rooms that are all variously themed and each one has like three ghosts that you have a couple of rounds of chatting with and you know, you've got your little dialogue options to see whether you get on well with them and you pick one of them to go on a date with at the end. I think what I found really interesting about this game is that it was largely, hmm, it was less about isn't it funny that I'm dating a ghost and it was more about different outlooks on if you didn't have your hierarchy of needs anymore, if you could just, like, never had to sleep, never had to eat, never had to pay for a home, what would you do with eternity? And I really enjoyed going through the various stories of these people and their afterlives. Um, 
Like, you've got some who try and do very altruistic things. There's this little old lady ghost that looked like a little bubble, and she was like, I go to old folks' homes, and I ring the bell if, if they need to get a nurse in, and I comfort people and make sure they're all right before they die. And then there's one ghost who's just like, I robbed banks when I was alive, and now they can't stop me because I'm invisible. Do you want to come fucking rob a bank for our date? You know what? If someone had said to me, do you want to fucking go rob a bank for a date? I have to go on it you'd have to yeah like you couldn't turn that down this ghost like doesn't waste any time they don't tell you who they are they just sit down and go i've got a plan to rob a bank do you want to fucking hear it i gotta see how that ends (laughs) yeah right um but like some of these stories are really sweet and interesting if they're up to the robbing bank phase you're guaranteed a handy at the very least i i mean you've got to have some kind of celebratory something at the end you know by the time you're talking robbery, by the time you're talking armed robbery, I think you're, you're in there. Yeah, but like, uh, there, there, was a, there was a ghost I was dating in one of these scenarios who didn't know they were dead. Oh. And we, 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 we were sat at speed dating with like two minutes to chat, and I accidentally gave them an existential crisis. And then when I came back round to them for the next round of chatting, I had to go, okay, you're dead. Let's try and help you out a bit. Let's try and calm you down. It's it's not that bad. It's okay. Man, the sixth sense would have been brilliant as a dating sim. That's you'd have exactly to change, what I was thinking. Yeah, you'd have to change one of the actors. Yeah, <sighs> it's a really cute little game. This. <laughs> I just realised what you said. Mm? Yeah, I just said if you update it, you need to change the actors. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, <laughs> but like. I, I, I thought this was a really cute little idea. It's 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 not the longest game in the world. It takes maybe 30 minutes to go through one of the rooms and pick a date and see, you know, pick who you want to date and see that through. And, you know, to, to do all three rooms once is about 90 minutes. But it's really charmingly written. And I like that a lot of the dates you end up going on aren't really about romance. They're a lot more just about trying to help people find connection and help people feel understood with their various, like, here's how I want to spend forever. I, I want someone to sort of validate that it makes sense how I'm doing things. It's a really sweet little game. That sounds good. Yeah. It's a, a charming little thing that yeah. I... I want to go back to it because there's a bunch of ghosts I haven't dated yet. So uh, there's there's one in a plague doctor mask who's around from like the 1600s and just fucking like fucking with people. And I, I want to see what his deal is still. I mean, yeah, that, yeah, you've got me. Yeah. Uh, what about you both? What have you been playing this week? By the way, I fucked up the booking of the studio. That's why it don't sound as good as it did last time. But I'm booked ahead now, but I fucked up today. That's why my audio sounds like shit, because I'm back on that microphone that adds a bunch of fucking background noise and changes the volume for no good reason. Yeah, we, we teased you with, like, one real good-sounding, well-paced episode, and we're like, ah, oh, fuck you, we've got to take it back now. Yeah, just not allowed to... Can't spoil you with good audio every week. Not allowed. Not allowed. Yeah. I'll never get out of audio nightmare hell. It's the <laughs> worst place to be. I'm looking at a, a wave file right now, and where there should be just the like the, the really thin line where I'm not talking, maybe a little jitter here and there, it's thick. It's thick. I'll tell you what, an ant could cross that and not worry about falling. <laughs> I mean, they got sticky feet anyway, it's a bad example. Uh, so what, what have you both been playing this week? Oh, right, yeah. Um, Conrad, <laughs> what have you been playing? Shovel Knight. Uh, that's pretty much it this week. Although, I... I... I have 
I finished the first campaign last week, I think, mm. and maybe I'd started Plague Knight already. Yeah, you'd, you'd started on Plague yeah. Knight last week. And I still, I, I really enjoyed Plague Knight a lot. I thought that was a really, really cool approach to uh, the gameplay. I, some of the little finicky having to constantly change configuration stuff maybe could have been handled a little bit better. Mm. But on the whole, really, really cool. And the that character in particular, from a speedrun perspective, is just fascinating uh, because of the mobility mm. that it has. And so I'd really like to go and now look at some speedruns of uh, Plague of Shadows uh, because I thought that was really, really well executed. And now I'm into Spectre Knight. Um, which again, yeah. I'm I'm enjoying uh, from that sort of point of view. But yeah, so it's I, I like the way uh, each of these characters feels so fundamentally different from the other ones, but it's still you know really easy to kind of pick up the the flow of them. Uh, it, it scales difficulty fairly well in Plague Knight's campaign, Spectre Knight's campaign, with the freedom to choose whatever level you want, kind of screws with that a little bit. Mm, yeah, because like I, you know, and I have this bad habit of being presented with a choice between the stage that I know is going to annoy me and the stage I know I'm more likely to enjoy. I will play the annoying one first. <laughs> and well, then you've got the nice one as a treat, I suppose. Yeah, I just I want to get the thing that I know is going to be miserable out of the way so I can, you know, have a good time. Uh, but the the when you try and do that in Spectre Knight's campaign and you haven't quite figured out the full mechanics of the movement yet, or you haven't unlocked some abilities that would really make it a whole hell of a lot easier, and you go into a stage that is, oh, I don't know, largely predicated on not falling into holes. Mm -hmm. uh, kind of screwing yourself, but... Uh, really enjoying it. Love the way it, it uses aerial combat in Spectre Knight. Yeah. Um, and the ways that you chain together aerial attacks to get places and navigate. It has that forced scroll tower stage that I am fucking hooked on. And I was playing it on stream yesterday, and I couldn't stop doing the tower. That someone looked up what the reward was, just like 1,700 gold, and I had earned well over that just through attempt to try and complete it. <laughs> and I, so I know there's absolutely no point to my finishing it, and yet I'm compelled, and that speaks volumes to how much I'm enjoying it. Yeah. So uh, That's, It's always a good sign with a game when you persist with some difficult challenge purely for the purpose of, oh, I'm having fun getting there. Yeah. So that's, I'm, I'm happy with that, and I'm... I'm, I'm, I'm glad they're done with Shovel Knight because I really think they needed a break and that's wonderful. Yeah. And meanwhile, now there's uh, Pocket Dungeon that just got announced. Yeah, yeah. I don't know much about that one. Roguelite puzzle game. I'm intrigued. You've described yeah. two genres that are of particular appeal to me. So I, I mean, the, their track record of quality with the, all of the Shovel Knight uh, versions of the game and expansions has been pretty rock solid. So I'll, I'll give them the benefit of the doubt of anything they work on. Yeah. They seem to know how to make a polished video game. Yeah, it seems to be a thing that they have a talent for. So yeah, that's uh, that's what I played, and that's pretty much all I played this week, I think. Yeah. 
What about you, Jim? What have you been playing this week? I played Devil May Cry 3. Ooh! Special edition. That one that just came out on the Switch, didn't it? Yep. Yep. DMC3 special edition on the Switch. It's really, really good. Yeah, it's it's one of the, the better early DMCs. I mean, it's... Until Devil May Cry 5 came along. Yeah. I think it was uncontested the best the best one in the series. Um, I, I lean very heavily toward 5 now. I know some people still yeah. toward 3. I think... I couldn't argue with either one. I've got my preference, but the other option is equally excellent. Um, And what really is remarkable about it is going back to it now. um, I played it a little bit here and there over the years, but I didn't properly play it. I haven't properly played it since it came out in, um, oh, what was it, 2005? Um, Hmm. Going back to it after all that time, it still feels like it could have come out yesterday. Yeah. Like, I know there's a couple of tweaks they've made to this port. Like, I think they've got style switching it has been added it back into thing. this now. That's the big thing. Yeah. It, 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 that, that game aged well already, but I'm curious to hear how, how that has, has added or not. Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's the whole make a great thing better situation. Or make a great mm. game perfect in this situation. Yeah. Um... In the original Devil May Cry 3, you've got these fighting styles, like your sword master where you can do flashy things with the sword, or trickster where you can be all ducky and weavy and run up walls, gunslinger, obvious royal guard countering and all that. Um, in the original, you could only select one of those styles at the beginning of the level, and then if you found mm. a, a statue in the level, there's usually like one if you're lucky, you can switch them there as well. So you would have to... Basically, if you're anything like me, you'd find the one you were okay at and then not dare to use anything else because you might be fucked. Um, In this, it's just not a problem. There's no going into menus and equipping things and being only able to do that at certain points. You can now chain together the styles and the moves and the weapons very much like Devil May Cry 5. This brings it completely into line with the more modern DMCs. And it just allows you to do things you couldn't do in the original, like, um, you know, run up to them... Um, with a sword, uh, do a twirly mm. sword thing, uh, uppercut in the air, then switch to gunslinger, and then uh, twirl down, just firing bullets, and then switch to, you know, your cold nunchucks and start smacking things with that, and then switch back. It's just got that that really flowing um, uh, flow. <laughs> Couldn't think of a word. Um, but it's got that that thing that Devil May Cry 5 has where you just feel like you can relentlessly keep up an assault in between avoiding the yeah. enemy attacks. You can just wail on them with with weapons and moves just going over, like churning with them almost. That's, mm. that's a good way to describe it. Like you're churning with this stuff, just uh, going through it over and over. And it, it, it's so satisfying in Devil May Cry 5. And the fact that it works here as if it's always been there is genius. Yeah, it... It's basically like not only Devil May Cry Five. I think this has become like a pretty much a standard of um, character action games over the last few years. The ability to switch between different combat styles as you go, yeah. and I'm really glad to hear that it's it's translated well back into that. Yeah, well, I mean that's the whole point of the. I mean, it's becoming an overused term, and I overuse it as well. The term fluidity and, and words of that nature. Um, but that is what the those character action games are all about. They yeah. are about 
constantly moving, constantly ducking and weaving and, and dodging and countering. You know, you look at something like Bayonetta, the idea is to constantly keep you in the action as much as possible. And Devil May Cry 5 is the same thing, but certainly the earlier games were hamstrung by that, that needing to go into menus, that needing to stop. And ideally, these games don't want you to stop for a second. You shouldn't be taking a moment. Mm. Um, and then, at least when the combat's concerned, you know, I know they throw in puzzles and stuff. Some stuff to bring down the mood. But once combat starts, you don't want to be pausing it at any point. Um, because part of the satisfaction is just that continual uh, wave of, of attack. Um so I'm glad that the games are finding ways to do that. And Capcom has almost perfected it um, yeah. with DMC5. And and yeah, I'm just, I'm super impressed. It runs really well. There's co-op for the Bloody Palace modes, local co-op if you want it. Um, oh, yeah. Runs at a nice 60, yeah, docked or undocked or handheld, you know. Um, no dips between any of them. Just really fucking good yeah and and still really fucking hard i i need to get around to playing it i have it downloaded ready to go because i i i fucking love how how devil may cry plays it's so good yeah uh other things i've been playing this week i started playing another very text heavy game i am about two-thirds of the way through a game called coffee talk um did either of you know that game, oh, what was it called, Valhalla? That sort of bartending uh, sim from a couple of years ago? Very vaguely. Yeah, so this is a very similar concept, but it's set in a coffee shop. Basically, modern day Seattle, you run a coffee shop at night, but instead of humans, it's fantasy creatures, and you talk over your, their problems with them, you make them cups of coffee... If you make them the right drink, then they'll open up a bit more, that kind of thing. Um, it's certainly not going to be everyone's cup of tea, because it is very, very light on gameplay. Um, most of it is about the experience of being someone on the other side of a counter, where, you know, people's lives are going past, people come and go. You can You can catch snippets of their lives, but you're not directly stepping in a lot of the time. Really, the only gameplay is when you are tasked with the customer wants a drink to fill this kind of specific need, try and find something that's going to work for them. If you get it right, okay, you get more of the story opening up than you otherwise would do. But um, I've been really enjoying the visual style and the, the writing of it. I really hope its narrative is going to be as ambitious as it is suggesting it will be. A big narrative thread in this this game, set in this coffee shop, is about a writer who wants to, it, she has to write a a, pit, a a sample novel in a month, and she wants to write this novel about being, oh, what about the discrimination we have in our world of fantasy creatures? You know, elves and succubi, parents don't like them dating, but what if I did it in a world full of just humans? Um, basically, she's writing a story that is basically the same as the premise of this game. Take a set of discrimination and prejudices and apply it onto a different set or basically abstract it onto a fantasy scenario. And once or twice, the game has sort of called out the idea that, hey, you want to be really fucking careful if you do that, because 
you know, you could just tell a story about minority people and their struggles. You don't have to abstract it to be about, you know, some different kind of fantasy world. And the fact the narrative is pointing out that that's a dangerous thing to do and a very, very careful line you have to walk gives me some hope that maybe they're building up to some kind of self-critique of their own game. And I kind of hope that's where it's going. Because if not, it's going to feel like a very weird bait and switch. But yeah, it's it's a narratively interesting little uh, just sit and watch people's lives and try and understand them well enough to make them a nice good cup of tea. But the lack of gameplay is going to be a deal breaker for a lot of people. And I definitely want to see how its ending plays out before I too much commit to a stance on it. All right, sounds good. Yeah. Uh, what about you, Jim? You been uh, playing anything else this week? I have been playing anything else this week. I've been playing... What, anything else you've been playing? The other anything that I've been playing is Call of Juarez Gunslinger, which, when I said that before we recorded, Conrad said, why? Yeah, yeah, that was my immediate reaction. Almost angrily, certainly judgmentally. Um, <laughs> yeah, because I think you're... Your perception, as you said, was very coloured by the cartel. Yeah. Well, uh, no, it was just Call of Juarez. Oh, just the whole thing? Yeah. Well, like, the, the first game, Call of Juarez, didn't impress me. It's uh, never th- been a great the cartel series. a, a spin off or, a, like, a follow-up? That Something was like-, like that. I don't remember anything about it. I just remember it was fucking awful. I, I almost mm. want to say it was, like, connect-oriented, but that doesn't sound I don't sound think right. it was, no. Oh. But Call of Juarez Gunslinger is... Um, very fondly regarded because of, of what a surprise it was, because the Call of Juarez series is, you know, unimpressive at best and the cartel at worst. So this game comes out modest. I think it was digital only, I think. And I think it was cheaper than, than average. Had this um, little quasi-cell-shaded look, a little bit of a cartoon look to it. Had some inspiration from Borderlands in terms of presentation only. Um but otherwise, is this sort of linear first-person shooter um, where the narrative is being told by, um, si- I think, Silas Greaves, this old cowboy, telling a story to um, a bunch of people. And as he talks, it often informs what happens in the game. So one example could be you fight through this level to um, get into a fight with someone. And then once you reach that person, someone chimes in and says, that's not how it happens. And then the whole thing rewinds and you do the level again with changes based on the new narrative. Um, And other things like you can walk somewhere where there's a dead end and then the narrator mentions how he suddenly discovered a path that he hadn't before and then a bit of the rock moves away and there's a path. And, And it is you know, still really linear and straightforward, but it's just really classily executed. Um, And it's got a nice little atmosphere to it where it doesn't take itself very seriously. It has a lot of fun playing with this idea of a narrative informing the gameplay. So the kind of thing that you'd see in something like uh, A Bard's Tale with the narrator interacting with the thing. Yeah. Well, a better example would be the, um, The Prince of Persia the first one, not the retro one, but the first 3D modern one, mm. um, where for one really easy example, you would die and then the prince would say, wait, wait, that's not how it happened. 
Um, stuff like that's in the game. Uh, it's it's just got a real sense of charm to it. And I loved it back in the day. And I played it again because it came out on Switch. And it, it runs nicely enough there. Recommended to play in handheld because the field of view when it comes to the playing it on, on a TV. Really good. I'm not one that notices that stuff too much. Um, but it's really noticeable here. Um, I'm watching a video of it now. And uh, yeah, no, this is the game I played. Oh, <laughs> Uh, and I mean, I, I I agree with you from the like the perspective of the narrative and and so forth. Yes, that's really interesting, and I and I do appreciate that it doesn't take itself seriously. But this gameplay did not I did not find it enjoyable. Um, but that's you know that's probably just me. It's strange. There's something that feels a little bit off about it. That I will admit. It is odd. Something that it just doesn't feel quite there. Um, Conceptually, though, yeah, I mean, I'm, oh, I, I love westerns. <laughs> it, it, it's such a, a fertile genre for games, and it's underutilized because it's really just Red Dead. There's no comparison. Yeah, uh, you can't. There's nobody's doing anything on the level. It outshines almost every other attempt to do a western story. Yeah, the. The, the only real memory I have of it, gameplay-wise, because, again, I enjoyed the narrative stuff, um, it always felt to me like your movement and aiming in that game felt as if you were using a much larger gun than you were, if that makes sense. Mm. Like, everything felt like you were trying to aim like a very big gun, even if you had a pistol. Like, just the weight of movement. Yeah, the, the weight of movement was just, like, not quite right. And it wasn't enough to stop me having fun with the game. It was just something didn't feel how I expected it to. Yeah. Yeah, I don't, I don't think it was bad, necessarily. But I just... Not, I, not as bad as you made it sound when Jim first brought it up. Yeah, but I, I just didn't get into it. Yeah. That's fair enough. But yeah, you really wouldn't like the other ones then. Yeah. I, I mean, I think I have tried. Significantly not as good. This is this is the best of a mediocre bunch. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, other things we've been playing this week. Um, I went back to Death Stranding this week. Because I've been just morbidly fascinated it, with it for a while, even though it didn't click when I first played it. Yeah, and... I saw you did the article about how you, yeah. you might be getting it now. Yeah, so... I'll say this, the game is still absolute batshit nonsense, the plot is ludicrous, and the I maintain that that game's opening 10 hours are a really poor showcase of what that game wants to be, and any game that requires you to play more than 10 hours to start seeing what its appeal is has done something wrong, it is kind of fucked up a bit. But deeper into that game, I think I get what they're going for. Um... A lot of the traversal at the start of, of Death Stranding I didn't enjoy because it was too much about, oops, I'm going to trip over a tiny stone. Oops, I'm going to fall over sideways and drop all my stuff off a cliff. Um, it doesn't take too long for that game to start giving you equipment that basically trivialises a lot of the act of carrying that gear and makes it a lot less frustrating to walk around the world. And at that point, it's so much easier to just take in the nice world that you're going through. So I think I said at the time when I first played it, like, I I will enjoy a good game about just walking around a very pretty environment, or I'll enjoy a game with deliberately obtuse controls, but I don't like them together. 
So as soon as it started giving me items to like minimize all that, felt a lot better about it. Um, once you eventually reach the point where, as you're doing deliveries and connecting up parts of the country, you start seeing other players' um, structures and vehicles and resources showing up, it does have a really nice sense of community. I, I like the feeling that it does eventually build to of, this is a game about, you know, trying to connect people and trying to work together to put back together the country and things that you do show up in other people's games, things that they do will, you know, benefit you. You'll find that a road you were working on has been partially rebuilt for you and stuff. And I, I like it. I get, I get what they were going for. It just kind of took too long to really start showing its appeal. Um, and mainly the biggest thing that made a huge difference to my enjoyment of that game was reaching the the end section of the game where you start building roads and you start building zip lines that sort of zoom you across the, the country. And particularly these zip lines, um, there's a limit to how many of them you can have across the, the map. But if you place them properly, basically, if you walk to a place once, you know, for the first time and go, hooray, I did my big walking adventure and I got there. I'll plonk down a zip line. Now I can get back and forth to this location in seconds without having to trudge across the uh, the environment. And it, it basically makes it so that rather than backtracking the same journeys over and over and over again on foot, you're only really walking when you're traveling to a brand new location and all of the backtracking or repeating, uh, returning to places you've already been just gets massively simplified and sped up. And I think once it became about like, I can pick where to dot these little points to zip between and I'm cutting most of the backtracking out, I enjoyed the act of exploring that world a lot more. It's interesting because, so like, I don't know, the idea of overcomplicating the basic action of play mm. in the short term to only eliminate that inconvenience later. Yeah, I... I that seems weird to me, and I... like. Yeah, I, no, it, it is weird. I, I, I'm, I'm sure that in the minds of the people making it, there's a very good reason to do this. And I, you know, I, 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 you get a sense of satisfaction and acceleration, and like there are reasons. Yeah, my, my, my gut instinct is that they, because so much of the narrative theme is about connection and rebuilding, and everything's easier when you put in the work together. That they wanted it to be a slog at the beginning, so that things wouldn't get easy until you'd worked for it and made made those connections with those NPCs and like until the narrative was ready for you to feel like things were getting easier they didn't want things to feel easy well and I, I think that there there are not many developers who could get away with that yeah like you, you can only get away with something like this if you're a name like Kojima where people will give you give you the benefit of the doubt to stick with it and see where you're going yeah like, a new no-name developer, even if they could have technologically pulled that game off, would not have got people to stick around for 10 hours to see it start to unfold. Known developers? What are you talking about? Yeah! You know, there's a lot of companies out there that, you know, mm. just about any Activision-owned company 
would not God, yeah, you're right, yeah. Anywhere near the latitude that Hideo Kojima is is provided for this. And that's not necessarily mm. a criticism either. I think that there's uh, certainly um, a lot of value there in that he has this opportunity to push different types of game experiences because he has such credibility. Um, yeah. And whether or not this hits or misses for people, that's, you know, down to, to your, your personal choice. But I do think it's interesting that there are developers out there who we will just say, you know what, fine, we'll take this ride with you. Yeah, like, if this wasn't... If, if talking about games wasn't my job, I wouldn't have stuck with this because I was just, I was so fascinated about what other people were getting that I wasn't. Talking of games is my job and I didn't fucking keep playing it. <laughs> I mean, I, that's that's totally fair. Like, I, I've been chipping away at it here and there a little bit and it finally, like, I finally feel like I get it. Even if I don't think that, I don't think that the end point they work towards justifies the amount of not enjoyable game that it takes to get there. Mm. And that's, you know, that's, that's... <laughs> and it doesn't make it more satisfying for you that... No, yeah. no. It, my, my, my main feeling about that opening dozen maybe hours of that game is someone needed to rein Kojima back just a little. Just like may, maybe three or four hours yeah. where it's, you know, difficult and slow. Like enough... Uh, the sort of length of time where in a single sitting you might get through all of the difficult and see, oh, here we go. It's, it's, ah, I see it's changing now. It, it shouldn't require multiple sits down with a game to, to see where it's, it's getting. Yeah. Maybe. But, ah, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying some of the fucking nonsense bullshit characters. They, they are a lot. I, th th there's one that I keep thinking about who his whole deal is he lives his life on a 24 minute cycle where every 21 minutes he will die for three minutes to go and try and find his his wife and kid in the afterlife and then defibrillate himself back to life. And you'll be having like cutscenes with him and he'll just fall to the floor and you're like, oh, I just have to look around your office for three minutes because... I guess that's what I'm doing now while you're <laughs> dead for a bit. I, I guess I can respect that. And three minutes isn't that long to be made to wait for something. No, no. Not and, like 12 uh, hours to wait for your game to get fun. Yeah, yeah. Um, but as much as, like, this this narrative does not know subtlety, it, 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 wears, it, it is the least subtle game I've played in a very long time. But and who made it? This, well, yeah, exactly. Um, it's... Yeah, it's, I'm having, f I'm finally having some fun with it. Well, that's good at least. Yeah, I'm, I'm getting that. I feel like at some point I'm gonna cave, and and get it, and you know, I, I, I eventually bought Phantom Pain. Yeah. So I feel like this is inevitable. I think if if you go into it knowing what to expect and knowing it's gonna take a while to start easing up on you, mm -hmm. it'll probably be an easier experience for it. Yeah, uh, any of us played anything else this week? I completely forgot that I played Dreams. Oh, I played a bit of Dreams this week. I was finally curious enough not to make anything. I've got no imagination, but I was like, I want to at least see what people have made. Yeah, how, how are you finding it? It was pretty much what I expected. An lots, of de lots of demos. Yeah, an incredible <laughs> amount of talent and an amazing showcase of a truly ingenious tool set full of things I never want to play for more than a minute. Mm. Yeah, like, 
I'm I'm consistently impressed with the quality of things people are making. Um, but yeah, there's nothing in there that feels. Um, I someone described it. I saw someone describe it the other day in a way that really stuck with me, which is. Uh, it's like watching... It's like the Vine compilation mm. of video games in that it is all of these like little interesting things and within seconds you're like, okay, I want the next one. Okay, I kind of yeah. want the next one. It's almost like like if Steam Asset Flips um, were just streamed constantly into your house. It's, it's kind of like if you just sat on your YouTube recommended page and just clicked through three, four-minute videos yeah. for a while. yeah. Just like, oh, what are you recommending me now? Well, well, it's good now. With, with plenty of copyright infringement to spare. Oh, God, yeah. Lots and lots of copyright infringement. Hey, do you want to play through Mario 64 on your PlayStation? Yeah, we've <laughs> recreated the music and somehow this is okay for now. Um... Quite, quite an experience there. Yeah, someone made like a functional. Someone made a functional section of Fallout Four in Dreams. That was fucking wild. I found one that had a cover of uh, Let It Go playing throughout the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, a, a kind of creepy, scary one. I'm making sure to get some footage of that to show to show the class. I think everyone <laughs> will like that. Um, what else did I play on it? I, I found one game that I actually played a lot and will go back to a game called Blade Gunner, which is one of their more popular ones. Uh, very similar to Resogun. You're, you're going around this sort of circular board in a side-scrolling format, shooting at stuff. And it's actually really nicely put together. Um, so I've been enjoying that one. It's got upgrades and everything. Um, but other than that, I just sort of potted around in some of that. I played the... Not all of it because it started to bore me, but the the Arts Dream thing, the, the main game that, that Media Molecule themselves put together. Oh, yeah, the, the, yeah. I liked it when the train man started singing, but then I just got tired of it, and I'm like, come on, I want to see the ones where Peter Griffin is fucking Garfield. Where is it? Where is it? Where is it? <laughs> I, I, I've, I've, I've gone back into it a little bit, and I, I still don't think that it's the kind of thing that's going to grip me long term, but one thing that has kind of finally dawned on me is is what this offers compared to uh what why you would you would spend time making a game in this rather than in say unity where you have a much more open ecosystem and can distribute your game more effectively and i kind of came to realize that the biggest thing dream has going for it creatively is the ability to work on all aspects of game creation in one piece of relatively cheap software. Like, for however much Dreams costs, what, 30, 40 quid or whatever, um, you can create a character model, uh, rig up the animation, create music, record a voiceover, um, come up with your, like, level environments. Um, like, there's a lot of things that if you were to try and make a game on PC, you would have to have several different programs and you would have to learn each of them individually and make sure that they were compatible with each other so that you could import assets in and, you know, work out any bugs that come up. I, I can see the appeal of, I can do every bit of making the game in one piece of cheap software. And I guess that was kind of what I was missing before when I was trying to understand who this was for, but that doesn't change the fact that I don't really want to be playing Dreams very much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I was never good at making the little big planet stuff. 
So I always get these things to try them. And I always forget that I get really bored of them really quickly. And it's no one's fault. It's yeah. the things being made are impressive. And the, the, the thing that was made and published is equally so. But same with Super Mario Maker. I get bored eventually of sifting through the gimmicks and the ones that are just trying to be rage quitty ones. Um, yeah. Try and find some ones that are just some nice Mario levels people have made. So never find enough of them, get bored. Little Big Planet, same thing. Like, I'd find a few gimmicky things. Um, you'd run around, oh, someone recreated quote unquote Ico. Let's go in that and be impressed. And then I get bored. And the same already happened with Dreams, and I only downloaded it late last night. There are some nice bits of it, and I can see some of the things it does well. Um, I, I like that they have this ability that you can make your creations available to other people to jump into, see how they work, tweak them, iterate on them if if you wish. Like, there's, there's some nice community aspect to working on projects together, and it's all nice. There's just not really anything in there yet that I care about. Even with the game being in early access for nine months to try and get the community to make things. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I'll give it another go. I'll, I'll, I'm sure there's some funny memes on it. Yeah. I'll go around and look at all the memes and I'll say, is this memes? And the game will say, yes, yes it is. Yes, it, it, it will in fact be memes. Only the dankest, sir. Only the dankest. Come on in. Oh, uh. Uh, so we did get some nice gaming news this week that sounds kind of positive. Um, ah, yeah. is it that Booker T is suing Activision? Oh, is that happening? Yeah, WWE Hall of Famer who has um, criticised a character in one of the Call of Duties as being similar to his G.I. Bro character, his wrestling gimmick from way back in the day. So there's nothing more to say about that. It's just something that's happening that makes me smile. That 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 is something that's happening. This is so stupid. But but yes, yes, good news. Uh good news was uh Microsoft and CD Projekt Red have been talking about hey some you know some games are going to come out on this gen and next gen and that's going to be a thing. Yeah. What if we just like let you have the next? If you bought buy the current gen version and put it in your your next gen system, what if we just let you download the patches and updates so that it plays, you know, at the next gen stage and you don't have to buy it again? Ah, uh, I mean, okay, this is good. This is objectively a positive. It, thing. it sounds like yeah, it sounds like a positive consumer move. My problem with it is is that we should not be fucking praising these companies for doing oh, God. the right. thing. Thing. They have engineered a situation where they did a shitty thing to us for generation after generation, and now they're not going to do it anymore, and we're supposed to be, like, suckling on their teat, and it just... I mean, you're 100% correct, but also, I'm glad they're doing it. I'm glad they're doing it. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I hope that this is a thing that just becomes a standard, because it really should have been already. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, I, my, my main thing that I'm happy about Microsoft announcing this is, okay, that's good. Hopefully this puts a fire under Sony and they announce the same thing. Yeah, I mean, I don't even care so much about backwards compatibility as a feature. That's one that always comes up. Like, every time there's a new mm. console coming out, everyone gets all up in a snit about backwards compatibility. And then the statistics bear out the fact that hardly anybody actually uses that feature. Uh, this is something that people actually will buy 
they will buy the new mm. game twice. And so fixing this is a much better consumer move, I think, than ensuring backwards compatibility for consoles. Yeah, and I feel like it, it's a smart, reasonable choice for oh, yes. Microsoft in, in particular, because it, it if you've got games for your current gen system and you go, oh, I don't have to start over from the beginning and I'll get to see the next-gen graphics, you know, I, I wouldn't have to buy a new game and start over if I want to buy the next-gen box. It, it definitely incentivizes m moving up. Yep. Yeah, there's, there's, there are a lot of good reasons for this to be this way, and it should have always been this way. Yeah, I, I, as as much as I hate praising something that should have been the situation all along, I'm glad it's gonna be the situation now. Yep. Uh, the only other bit of news this week was, uh, I, I don't know if either of you care about Animal Crossing, but um, there was a big Animal Crossing direct, and we found out that. Nintendo is being fucking obtuse with how saves are managed in that game. Yep. Wait, you mean to tell me that a online system from Nintendo is arcane? I know, more more arcane than usual of Nintendo. That's the thing. So, you, if you pay for Nintendo's online subscription, in theory you have cloud save backups. But for Animal Crossing, you'll be able to back up your game but you'll only be able to re-download your save if your console gets broken or stolen and you ask Nintendo very nicely. Yeah. Rather than just every other game on the system where you can just download your cloud save. Why? What? <laughs> Why? Well, like, I I almost get it for some Nintendo games. I don't think it's a good thing, but, like, for, for Pokemon, I understand that they don't want people duplicating Pokemon by doing a trade and then downloading their save from the cloud to undo the trade on their local end or something. You know, I almost get it on that. There are ways you can skirt that without salting the earth, though, which yes. is what they do. It, exactly, but, like, I, I completely don't understand it for Animal Crossing because that's not a competitive online game. It's not... It's not like you're cheating anyone but yourself if you decide to... Yeah, well, you cheat not only yourself but the game. Let's be yeah. fair. Like, I, I, is anyone really going to save scum cloud saves in order to be like, well, I let my friend take my peaches from the peach tree and then I reset my cloud save and I have peaches back again. I don't have to wait until tomorrow when they grow new peaches. The only way this is a fucking problem is if Mr. Rossetti is sleeping on the job. Which apparently he is. Uh, Mr. Rossetti's not in the game anymore. People people are like rumour mongering that he might be because there's like some icon for maybe like the rescue thing if you get stuck. And it looks like the helicopter and the icon is wearing Rossetti's hat. So it might, he might oh. be there. Um, maybe I'm wrong. I thought I'd heard he wasn't in it. He shouldn't be riding <laughs> around fucking helicopters when he could be safeguarding cloud saves. So here's a, here's a context under which this makes sense. Mm. Microtransactions. Yeah, maybe. And that's something to, like, ooh. Um, and that gives me pause. Because that's yeah. just about the only situation in which I can see a justification, quote-unquote justification, because we don't even need to get into the justification for putting microtransactions into a game like Animal Crossing, but yeah, um, that's so, how I can... And yeah. with the, you know, mobile game success uh, that they've had yeah. with the microtransactions there and the limited event stuff driving people to mm. participate 
uh, makes me nervous. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Like, right now they've only talked about free updates over time and free seasonal events. They've not said anything about paid DLC, but... Or or virtual currency. Yeah, there is this looming... Yeah, there is this looming sense of, yeah, it could happen. Well, I'm just a young girl and know little in the ways of war, but I don't know how other video games can get away with not being fucking stupid. Yeah, like... I just don't get what's so special about Nintendo stuff that they get to behave like fucking idiots. Yeah, like, if you're on a PlayStation 4, every single game supports cloud saves and it just works and there's no weird exceptions. Uh, Well, I think a big part of it is that Nintendo has a consistent quality standard of its first-party titles that is so high that people are willing to forgive just about anything yeah any of these strange idiosyncrasies that they have can be written off by them because they're so in love with the franchises and 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 frankly the games are always good yeah problems maybe but good that's the thing even with all these weirdnesses i'm still going to enjoy animal crossing i'm pretty confident of that yeah looks adorable nintendo make games that hit a very consistent quality bar but i i just what Nintendo, what? Stop it! Their priorities are not everyone else's priorities. Yeah, that's that, that much is evident. Uh, I've always sort of seen Nintendo as a company that thinks about what they make as not uh, art but toys. Yeah, and uh, which you know is not to say that other publishers don't feel that way about the products that they're making too. But it se- it feels more evident with Nintendo that that's the perspective that they come at their products from yeah uh, that's that's at the forefront of what they're they're aiming for yeah and and so i think that that kind of colors it a bit uh where in terms of they don't necessarily prioritize some of these technical things that do ultimately make a difference in how well the product works hmm. but maybe aren't as important from their perspective as some other things uh which i i don't know I never do Nintendo online stuff. I don't have any interest in it, so it never gets in my way. But... Yeah, that's fair. But if they're going to do online-related features, for fuck's sake, just make them work in a way that's clear and easy. Yeah. The way everybody else has managed to do it up to now. Oh, I will say there is one nice online feature that I'm kind of excited about in Animal Crossing, which is... Uh, you can create a temporary code to invite people uh, who aren't on your friends list to visit your island, but you can do so in such a mode where they can't fuck up your island at all, where they have no ability to destroy or damage or change anything. That is a good thing. They can, yeah. And I'm like, that's gonna be real nice for just like if I do some some chill evening Animal Crossing live streams, I can be like, hey Twitch people, feel free to come visit my village. You can't fucking touch anything, but. Come run around with me. Yeah, that's one of the things about when Animal Crossing went online and people were able to visit islands without having to physically bring their memory card. Yeah. As in the GameCube days and do that. um, Led to a lot of opportunity for shenanigans. And (laughs) it's interesting that it took them this long to address that. Well, I mean, you have the option to, if you really trust someone, you can mark them as a best friend and they can have control to do shenanigans. But it's nice that they have an option for, hey, come and have an explore, but I I don't trust you enough not to rip up my my petunias, my tulips. Yeah, that just feels like it's been a while in coming. Yeah. 
Ah, oh, I think that's everything we got on the topic list for this week. Well, I think that's everything on the docket, yes. Yeah, there we go. We did We did an episode. Yeah, sorry about the sound quality, folks, especially on my end, but uh, we will get that sorted next week. Um, so, you know, that'd be fine, wouldn't it? That'd be all right. Um, yeah. But until then, Laura, please tell the, the wonderful listeners where they can see more of your things. Uh, Laura K. Buzz in all the places. Laura K. Buzz on Twitter, Twitch, YouTube... Uh, laurakbuzz.com, you'll find links to everything I post, be it written articles, freelance features, videos, podcasts. Uh, you can find me on Twitch Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 10pm UK, 5pm Eastern, 2pm Pacific. Uh, I've got some books. Uncomfortable Labels is about being gay and trans and on the autism spectrum. It's available now where books are sold or as an audiobook on laurakbuzzstore.com. There's Things I Learned from Mario's Butt, which is a silly and serious uh, coffee table book of illustrated video game character butt reviews with a bunch of uh, developer and critic guests. And then I'm on a bunch of podcasts. I'm on Pixel Squirt, where I talk about video game pornography. Uh, I am on Queer and Pleasant Strangers, where me and my fiancé talk about things that aren't video games and do silly voices and skits. And I'm on Dice Funk, which is a Dungeons and Dragons podcast. I'm on seasons three, four, five, six, and soon season seven. They're all self-contained stories, so you can jump into anyone you like. You know who else is on that show, though? Oh! It's Comrade. Holy crap, yes I am, I am on that show. Yeah! Uh, and, Shit, and, fuck! And you can hear me on that. You can also find me on Twitter at Conrad Zimmerman. Um, uh, you can buy my buttons. I've got new badges. A uh, whole new set just released uh, this past week. You can go pick those up at pinfultruth.com. Um, get yourself a pin that says ass on it in, in big Coca-Cola-styled letters. <laughs> um, you can also buy my audiobooks at uh, conradreads.com. Uh, and if you're hearing this on, like, Thursday or Friday, uh, you can still get my uh, audiobook of The Call of the Wild, which is on sale for a buck uh, till the end of the month. Uh, so go buy that. You can hang out with me on Twitch. I'm usually there three, four days a week, uh, mid-afternoons in the United States, evenings in Europe. Uh, you can hit me up there at uh, twitch.tv slash thatconradzimmerman. And you can hear me on some other podcasts, too. You can, as Laura mentioned, hear me on Dice Funk. You can hear me on the spinoff Doctors with Jim Sterling. You can hear me on Of Horse, a BoJack Horseman fan cast, talking about the BoJack Horseman show. And uh, you can hear me on Boston's favorite son, maybe someday. <laughs> I'm sure you could. With uh, our good friend Jonathan and, uh, and, and and Jim Sterling, who has a Patreon. <gasps> he does. Does he? <gasps> what is this? Yes, I do. Patreon.com slash Jimquisition. That's how you can support the show, the podcast, and everything. Helps me pay people. Uh, speaking of which, Conrad. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do literally yourself a favour. Um, <laughs> and uh, what else? What else do I do? Twitch streaming. We started kicking that back up. We, we tested one out and it seemed to go over quite well. So we're going to do more of that. Yeah. Twitch TV. It was a fun stream. Thank you. Yes, you, you both swung by at points. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you both very much. Uh, Twitch TV slash Jimquisition. Um, that's about it. Uh, do check out this week's uh, Jimquisition if you haven't on the YouTube channel. It's called uh, It's Just a Game. Um, I had a lot of fun making this one. We, we really enjoyed putting this one together. Um, so, yeah, do check that one out if you haven't because... I'm very, I said couscous then. That is also good to eat while you watch it if you want. <laughs> um, but yeah, check it out. We, we, I worked 
I went extra hard on some of the bits there. Um, and that'll do. I think that literally is it. I think we're done. Thank you all so much for listening. We'll see you next week. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.